Andrew LaPau's Vicious Musician podcast is brought to you by my show at The Building on February 23rd. Come on out to The Building on February 23rd and see my band, The Brass Saddles, play at 8. All right, guys, let's start the show. Get on that bird and go. I'm on the plane like the highway. A boss in this state, we do it my way. It's raining out there, so why play? everyone to the Vicious Musician Podcast. I am your host, Andrew LaPau. On this episode, we're going to bring in Ryan Dishon. Ryan Dishon is a singer-songwriter from the Central Coast of California. He's been living in Nashville for about a year. He uh, now has moved to the east side of Nashville, so he's closer to my place. And we had a lot of fun uh, recording this podcast. We played some covers. Ryan did his originals. I got to join him on a Bruce Springsteen song which we filmed and we'll put up on YouTube. But without further ado, here's the interview with Ryan Dishon. Enjoy. We got Ryan Dishon in the recording space over at my house in East Nashville, drinking Budweiser's and just talking about Ryan's life. Ryan Dishon, you are a singer-songwriter from California. Yes, How'd sir. you make it over to Nashville? I drove an old shitty car. What kind of car? Uh, 98, no, a 1990 Honda Accord is what we first came over and... You're still driving that car, right? Uh, Katie is, my girlfriend, and I am driving a 98 Civic that we drove back the second time. Okay, so you you drive from Nashville to California a lot. It's happened a few times, yeah. We've done it, what, a couple, two or three times. Driven Nashville to California and you're do, And you're doing this to do touring, to play in clubs and coffee shops and bars. I think so. <laughs> Definitely playing is, is is a good reason to be here, but I mean you can you can play anywhere really as long as there's a few spots where there's people with with ears that like listening to music, then you can find a, a home for it somewhere. Okay, so what I want to do since this is your first time on the podcast, um and it's one of the first podcast episodes, I just want to get to know about you coming up as a singer-songwriter in California and then making it to Nashville and then we'll do some playing. Um but yeah, so what were you what what got you into music? Were you music always in your house? Was that just were you one of those music kids or your parents musicians? My parents definitely aren't musicians. Um but when we were kids, my I have two older sisters and uh we didn't we didn't travel too much in our family but we would we would drive up uh, or down to LA area to visit my grandparents and um my my dad was really into to country 
and we would just listen to cassettes of like Randy Travis and George Strait, Alan Jackson. I mean, we we listened to those tapes over and over again on four hour drives. So like in the in the early years of my life, I remember always listening to to like full albums, but it was those those country dudes. And um, one of my my mom's brother was was every time. He lives in L.A. as well, but uh, when we'd see him at like Christmas, he'd always have his guitar, and he would sing really cool songs, and he gave me my first guitar, but it took me a few years before I grew into it. So when did you, how old were you when you picked it up? Um, I, I kind of officially got into guitar in like eighth grade, and yeah. got an electric for my um, 14th birthday. You started on electric? Yeah, yeah. You don't hear that much. I guess really? maybe more often now. I don't know. I just felt like... I think I had some music snobbery in me back even then when I was in middle school. It's like every, what they tell you, what the guys at Sam Ash tell you, where you got to start on acoustic, <laughs> you know? That's how it's got to start, and then you can graduate to electric. I don't know. Maybe I was lucky because we were from a small town, and uh, we didn't have a Sam Ash or a guitar, <laughs> or a guitar sphincter. So what, what could we... <laughs> I just found out that the guitar center that uh, <laughs> that I used to go to when I was like four, you know, high school when I started playing and stuff, it just got shut down. Kind of sad. Yeah. But it also wasn't like the greatest place to go. Like, I guess they never really are. They really, <laughs> man. I don't know. I like the one in Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. It depends. The guys in the accessory department are like such sweethearts. But when I go into like keyboards or pro audio, it's like, hey, do you want to buy this? If you want to, if you're looking at this two hundred dollar item, you might really like this eight hundred dollar item that I have you're for like sale. No, you're like, no shit. Who would have liked eight hundred dollar item? Uh, I came here just kind of looking to play on the uh, the motifs. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to mess around on the motifs. Yeah. Um, okay, so you start playing in eighth grade, and like when you picked it up, did you feel like you were set apart from? your classmates in a way because you were did you feel like you were setting yourself apart from your classmates or do you feel like you were joining like a group of musicians or did it there was certainly no group of them there was like one friend of mine who played drums and we were friends but not great friends so we weren't like we never it was never like an intention to hey let's start a band you should learn guitar it wasn't like that corny shit you see in the movies um but another friend of mine did play guitar and he was really good he'd been playing for maybe like five years at that time and we all thought he was real good uh but other than that i was i was more of a into skateboarding and and that were you none of those kids none of those kids really played guitar yeah but as the years went on more more of our you know more of us started trying to learn it and whatnot and but I, I, I was really obsessed with it for the first few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were, did it take precedence over skateboarding once you started? Not really. I, I feel like, I feel like I. It was a good balance because you couldn't skate always at night. I mean, sometimes at the school they have lights and you could skate, but I mean, it was something better to do in the evenings. And in a way, like guitar, guitar lessons kind of got in the way sometimes because I'd be out skating and I might like forget that. Oh shit! Is it Wednesday at four thirty? Like, yeah, you know, my mom's like, you missed a guitar lesson. <laughs> I'd be like, 
like feel really bad about yeah. it, you know, because I, I liked my teacher. He was this kind of bearded hippie dude who ran a um, a very small music store out of a place like seriously not much bigger than this room we're we're sitting in right now. Mm-hmm. He just had like a few guitars for sale and a few uh, music books. Was he? It was just his studio, and he was the only teacher there. Yeah, it was, and it wasn't even a studio. It was technically a little guitar shop. Okay, but and there wasn't a separate room. Like you would just there right. were two chairs like by the entrance. Yeah, and he had an amp and a little CD player, and I really enjoyed his teaching method. At first, he was trying to teach notes. I'm like, this is not <laughs> the kind of thing I want to do. Like, yeah. so he's like, okay, like bring in a CD of a song you want to learn. And I knew like pretty much nothing about guitar except a few licks, maybe like the opening lick from Plush. Don't tell Pilot. <laughs> I know that's like the one that hooks you. You should learn that. You yeah, know? you gotta and, learn and that. Come as you are is a, is a reasonable place to start as well. The past two weekends out <laughs> with the with the band Scarlet I was out with, we did Plush every night. That's a great tune. That's so good. <laughs> um, that's... The second chord, the, that Dan it. Bam, that yeah. that's the that's the money cord. Um, okay, so you're growing up, you're skateboarding, you're playing music. When do you make your first band? Uh, we started kind of messing around with a different kid that played drums. Uh, I was like 15. Mm-hmm. What kind of band was it? It was it it wasn't even a band at first. We got together and he's like, yeah, I played drums, and he probably played at his church or something like that. And, um, so we hung out and I knew some punk rock songs or whatever and we'd just random tunes. Like, I can't even recall. Maybe some Misfit songs. You're uh, a punk band. Yeah. Well, at first, like, we, we were just jamming and then it was like, okay, I think I can write a song. So that's, that's when I wrote a song and, uh, it, it was a song called Bath Beads and this kid, um, said... Well, he had an older sister, and she had mentioned uh, that that uh, I don't know if any of this is true, and I'm pretty sure that it's not. But this this was the story. He he used to make shit up all the time, and he he said that he heard his sister talking to her friend about um, her friend had come to her with with a concern of vaginal odor, and his sister gave her the the sound advice of just using bath beads. <laughs> You wrote a song about it. So I wrote a song about that, you know, because what what else what else is there to write about in ninth <laughs> grade? Um, but I mean, vaginal odor seems relevant even to this day. Maybe maybe bath beads to the, will stand the test of time. I, I just I just don't know. <laughs> I haven't taken a, a bath. Like actually, I took one at a, a hotel. And Are you I was... saying your vagina stinks really badly? <laughs> Uh, I just remember those bath beads, like being like always on the tub growing up, but never using them. You never got curious. <laughs> <laughs> dump a bunch of them in here. Yeah. Um, okay, so you write a song about vaginal odor and bath beads, and then what? You um after you graduated high school, where'd you go? Um, I stayed in my hometown and went to a junior college mm-hmm. there. And what's your, what town are you from? I'm from a small town called Los Osos. In Southern California, uh, San Luis Obispo, right? Yeah, county. It's it's we call it the Central Coast. It's not not LA. Mm -hmm. It's not Southern California. It's not Northern California. Is it true that San Luis Obispo is the happiest city in America? If you're on drugs the whole time, (laughs) 
Oh, well, yeah, you can be over there. Mm-hmm. They got their dispensaries and all that stuff? Mm, I'm not sure about the dispensaries. There was one in the small town next to ours where I actually went to high school. I know it closed down, but that was years ago. Um, I moved. I moved up north to Berkeley before that kind of movement got really popular. Mm-hmm. Except, of course, it was probably had been popular in Berkeley and Oakland. Yeah, long before. Yeah. As soon as like medical. Yeah, Oaks was a lot. Yeah, yeah. Still haven't been to Oakland. Well, I've been to Oakland once, but that was like a kid. Um, you survived. That's good. <laughs> The craziest thing about Oakland was uh, in 2011 when the police were shooting tear gas canisters at all the protesters. That is like the most disturbing video on YouTube. And just think that it was all in Oakland. Well, which time was that? Was that when the when the Bart the kid was, it was shot? It was, the, the Bart police killed a killed well, an unarmed. They kid, they shot a kid in the head with a gas canister and he died. Oh wow! Yeah, it was during a protest. I was I was there. In that year, or is and he, while he, I, don't I, I, was in, I actually don't know if he died. I think he just had like brain injury. Well, I'm wondering what caused the riot that caused the, it was um, the, the it was an Occupy Wall Street demonstration. Okay, was yeah. that 2011? Yeah, that was that many years ago. That's not that long ago. It was 2015. <laughs> We're just like getting old now. We're thinking like, no, no, that three years is is nothing. Yeah. That's I still feel like it was so much longer ago. I don't know. Um, I guess, but I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I remember during the movement going up to the, the UC Berkeley campus and just seeing all kinds oh, yeah. of awesome stuff. Like, yeah, but this was this was probably the day after the police had pepper sprayed. Yeah, the UC Berkeley kids. Yeah, yeah. Just and that's all on on YouTube. And you, as so well. you were living in Berkeley at that time. Uh-huh, absolutely. Oh, okay. So did you see? So did you see the clashes between the police and the college kids? Um, not so much. I, I, had, I, I, I hate to admit it, but I, I'm not much of an activist. Oh, sorry. Um, not that I'm, uh, completely indifferent to it. I was just, I just, had, I had to go to work and, and other things. That, like, <laughs> what were you doing for work? I was working at a guitar shop. Oh, right. Berkeley. Yeah. You were doing setups. Yeah. And, on on yeah. Telegraph Avenue. Okay. Um, did that for about five years. That's a good job, especially in a town like Berkeley. There's probably got to be a lot of guitar players. Yeah, there's a lot of guitar players and a lot of homeless people that that buy guitar strings. <laughs> Tell them about that one story of the guy who would come in and with his cup of, of urine, was it? Or did he smell like urine with a cup of beer? I don't know. I don't know about all that. Tell them about one of the characters from the, from the store. Um, who, the owner? <laughs> no, uh, sure, I'm kidding. Good. The um I I I love I love that guy. Um shoot, I mean there was all kinds of characters that would always pop in there. One one guy's name was Hound Dog. And uh you know, he he would come in and he 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 talk with a southern accent. That that's my southern accent. That's that's what I picked up. Here. But he he come in dirty and and he he's like, "Now I just moved in here from Nashville, Tennessee." My name's Hound Dog, and uh, he would come in and always get the strings, and you gonna treat old Hound Dog right, ain't you? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, then it, 
after hanging out in Berkeley, like the the old crazy hound dog got even crazier, and he 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 started to um, tell us that he was uh, this guy from Little Feet. Uh, which um, guy from Little Feet? Oh fuck, uh, Lil George. You couldn't, you no, couldn't no, no, say no. that. No, it was a different guy, buddy, buddy, uh, Freddie Tackett. Okay. He said, "My name's Freddie Tackett." Look it up on the Google. I'm gonna do that. <laughs> so we would Google him, and, yeah, and sure enough, about? he's not Freddie Tackett. He's yeah. Hound Dog, uh, <laughs> as he had, uh, you know, introduced himself <laughs> as in the in the past. Uh, uh, but yeah, it, it got bad, and then Hound Dog stopped coming around. I, I don't know whatever happened to him. Oh, it's kind of sad. <laughs> so what was the um, what was the uh, what made you want to leave Berkeley and, and move to Nashville? Uh, a lot of things, I guess. I after I moved up to the Bay Area to to finish college. I went to Cal State East Bay in Hayward, and I didn't want to live in Hayward because if you've ever been there, there's there's nothing really there exciting. Um, so shout out to Hayward, <laughs> Hayward <laughs> pioneers. <laughs> I don't even know if that's what my school is called. I think. I think it might have been a little local junior high nearby. I, I literally don't know what my college uh, mascot was. Um. Anyway, so I lived in Berkeley, and uh, for a long time, finished school and stayed around for quite a few years. And I was living with a girl, and we broke up. And I just didn't want to go through the same hassle of finding a new place to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. So I I booked a. a a ticket to Europe for about three months. Oh, alright. Yeah, and moved all moved all my stuff back to my parents in San Luis County and went traveling for a while. And where'd you go? Oh man, I went all over. Um I went to I landed in London, did about two weeks in England, a week in Scotland, a week in Ireland. And then I did two months on like mainland Europe, so I, I flew into to Amsterdam and went, you know, Belgium, France, Spain, Italy, all all those good places. Did you bring your Hungary? Guitar? Yeah, definitely. And were you busking? I did a lot of busking. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I did a few shows as well, at some some cool spots um, in a few different countries. But busking was a good way to to just people watch and and make some money for for beers. Mm-hmm. It's really cool too cuz like no matter how windy it is your money never blows away in Europe <laughs> because it's they have like, you know, pounds and Yeah, yeah, right. They <laughs> and and their coins, yeah, the, the euro the coin is 2 euros, and two euros yeah. even, so it's like people will just chuck it in there like, oh, it's a coin, you know, whereas we just like we just have, Yeah. Yeah. Mhm. <laughs> I know, I love that. I went. I was busking in a place called Groningen in the north of the Netherlands, mm. um, and it was crazy because the day I decided I had been living there for you know six months already at least, and uh, I was like, you know, I should really just take my guitar into the street and see what happens. So I took it down to the center of town, but it was on a weekend when. Uh, so Holland is known for its flowers, tulips, and all that stuff, and they have this big flower market in this one weekend. I and thought it was their weed and their bicycles. Huh. Yeah, they got all that too. Yeah, <laughs> but they do have a huge flower market. Okay, and it's so close to Germany; it's like an hour away from Germany <clears throat> that all these Germans come in to Holland, go across the you know the border, and they go and they just buy 
millions of dollars worth of flowers. So you're saying the Germans invade the Netherlands? The Germans invade for flowers a year, <laughs> every once a year. The German police, the German Polizei, have like rain over the streets of northern Holland, and the German police police Holland. To make it safe for the Germans coming in. How did you feel about that? I felt like I, I mean, <laughs> like I was just like, this is wrong. I just felt wrong about it. I'm sure, you know, I don't know. But um, the thing about Groningen, uh, the North of Holland, is that that was never touched by the German invasion in, uh, you know, during World War Two. They still have standing synagogues, and uh, I was I lived down the street from a, you know, an old yeah, historic how synagogue. Long did you- that's really cool. How long did you live in the uh, Netherlands? Just about a year. Yeah. Wow. It was cool. Canals. Was it a study abroad situation? Um, it was... I was trying to get a master's, um, and, uh, but then the... Um, the flowers distracted yeah, you. Yeah, the flowers, <laughs> among other things. Um, yeah, so, but I remember busking, <laughs> and all these Germans, and these, they didn't like it. Like, they were, like, shouting in my face. Really? I was, like, singing Bob Dylan songs or whatever, and... Just playing guitar. They, they it don't was like, very rude. They don't. They don't like Dylan. That's. That's. <laughs> yeah. <it is. laughs> it was so funny because some other street performers came up. They're like, "This is a bad weekend to do it. They're not gonna like you doing this." And sure enough, people would it's, come up and give me pennies. Yeah, like one or two pennies. That's interesting yeah. because uh, I didn't. I don't think I did any busking in Germany at all. Mm-hmm. So I can't say, but Where was in terms the of the music scene, well, in terms of the music scene, I really like Germany, and I think going back there to play music could could go over rather you well. Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I, you could just ask me. I'd That's all good. Within reach. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, busking. I think Ireland was was really good. I bet. Yeah. And it, and it's just it's like busking on a, like I, th- I think it's what is it Grafton Street, and um. I believe that's what it is. It's like in downtown Dublin. Yeah. Is is where tons of people came up busking. I mean, I met some really cool dudes out there while doing it. And uh, you've seen that movie once, I assume. Yeah. That guy, that's Scotland, right? That's that's Dublin. Oh, that's Dublin. Okay. And he where he would busk is right there in that same little area. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I guess it's somewhat competitive because some dudes like... Further down the way, I've have like you know amps, and they they have like a proper rig for it, and I didn't, so I kind of stood on the outside there. And you know, you could you can make 40, 40 euros in a reasonable amount of time, and people like sell three or four hours, less than that, like oh. two hours, and oh, okay. and you can you know you could people will buy CDs. I sold a few CDs. Um, it's funny though that I've I've busted a fair amount of times in my in my life and um I've never had any real issues with with people trying to steal my money but in Dublin there was one dude who who was being real sketchy and he's asking me for money and I'm like yo I'm trying to make some money myself like you can have like right. I'm like like fifteen uh, whatever I like I just okay like if you want something and he and he goes okay and he and then he then he looks around and he he just fucking scoops just, his hand in yeah. he he grabs as much as he can and he and he, he takes off and I'm like all right uh. well f- fuck fuck that guy <laughs> well what happened was a lot of people ended up seeing that and then so like tons of people came in and were chucking in like 2 euros and stuff it it 
So it ended up working out okay. my favor. Yeah, hey, the guy got decency. some. The guy got some money, and I got more money. Yeah. because of the situation. Yeah, redistribution so that, that of wealth. Cool. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> but yeah, so so that's why Dublin's the best place to busk because you you might get robbed and then, <laughs> and, then and then you get sympathy. sympathy. Yeah, yeah, you get sympathy change. <laughs> and and let me let me assure you, nothing buys beer better than sympathy change. <laughs> Alright, so you basically busked all over. Did you busk in Belgium? Did I busk? Um, no, I didn't busk in Belgium, but I did meet this dude who was some American guy. I don't remember where he's from. Perhaps Colorado or Montana or something. And he was leaving, but he had time before he had to get a train. So we hung out. We, we played on the streets for about an hour. Mm-hmm. And I remember doing one tune. He's he's like, yeah, man, I've been getting into some old kind of like bluegrass stuff. And I remember we played uh, "Will the Circle Be Unbroken?" And I don't know if that's really a bluegrass song per se, but but I remember playing yeah. that song, and he it, it was really cool. Yeah, that's a, yeah, standard. Yeah. So, so you get so. Is there anything else about Europe that you want to talk about? Because I I can talk about Europe forever. I mean, yeah, me too. Yeah. I mean, there's tons of there's tons of things about it that that are worth. What? Yeah, it, exactly. Um, you, did you do France as well? Yeah, I busted in like Paris. Uh-huh. I did. Uh, I did hang out in France in Paris for about a week with with this guy. Like, actually, what's hang out? I don't know. Walk around depressed, listening to. <laughs> Death Cab for Cutie or something like that. <laughs> Does that count? No, that uh, counts. I thought it was like I went to like the Hangout Festival because there is a festival called Hangout. No, I would America. never go to a festival called Hangout Festival. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds too like uh, Hangout-ish. <laughs> I, I have a different definition, I suppose. No, I'm kidding. But um, I stayed with this guy that, that was actually a roommate of mine when I first moved to Berkeley. About a month or so after living there, he, him and his girlfriend um, moved into the apartment like right behind ours and there were a couple like French a couple French people doing study abroad and I hadn't seen or talked to this guy in so many years and I just sent him an email and he's like yes come stay and then (laughs) so (laughs) we or not we but I I went and stayed there for a week and it was really awesome yeah um and did you have a CD at this point did you have have an album yeah, I did, and I'd recently released my second album, uh, New Windows, and kind of like right before I went out there, I, but I only had digitally released it at that time, and I I put it up for free on Bandcamp, okay, on my website, um, and and uh, I've got hard copies of it now, but nice. Let's let's uh, hear a song. I've been I've been looking at our guitars and seeing they're almost like twins. They're very similar. Yeah. So what is here? You got a Martin. Mine's like the Hollywood version because it's all like plastic. So mine oh, has. Oh no, mine's plastic. Mine has a boob job. Yours, Look at this. yours is not. Yours might be plywood, but plywood is different than plastic. <laughs> here, let's, let. Why don't you knock on yours? Yeah. You guys can't tell because these microphones aren't. But his is wood. <laughs> all right, we chose the same chord. But they sound the same. <laughs> They sound exactly the same. They sound great. So what is it? Is it triple O? 
Yeah, mine's just like the X series. This is one of my guitars. I bought this before, like I went to the East Coast for the first time. And that was kind of the first like DIY tour that I booked. And I had like another Martin, but I didn't want to bring that as a dreadnought. It was just kind of big, and and I I got a, a good deal on this through my work. Mm-hmm. And um, man, I, this is the guitar I took to Europe, and yeah. I've taken it yeah. on pretty much every every They're tour I've done guitars. since. I have yet to tour with any other. Any Martin Auditorium model to me is just like just feels so good. Your neck looks really nice too. It's it's good. Yeah. It, this guitar's rad because, cause like, it, yeah, the plastic back and size makes it durable, but the neck is really cool because it's uh, like a bunch of plywood and it's very durable. Whereas the mahogany necks are are more subject to breaking. Well, let's hear it. Let's hear one. Whatever you want to play. Well, I wasn't gonna play this, but I'll, I'll see if I can't. Uh, can't do it because this this was a song I wrote in England towards the end of that trip we were talking about. It's called A Tram to Nowhere. And I will be, um, I feel like this might be a good time to re- uh, mention it. I'll be releasing a new album called Whiskey for the Road in uh, May. All right. This is one of the songs that'll be on there. Uh, like I said, it's called Tram to Nowhere. Yeah. 
longer than I anticipated but not like actually working on it but but months and months of delays in between and you're playing all the instruments on your new record I'm playing all the instruments yeah I don't know if that's a good idea or not that's so but... daunting <laughs> to me to do because I you know you, as, as someone like I'm pretty perfectionist when it comes to recording and I think that's why I don't have a million recordings right is because I don't know Every note on the guitar has to be so perfect, and, and vocally has to be this. I just know that I would kill myself to hear my own drumming yeah, <laughs> on a record, but I'm sure you can do it. And I know, like, my favorite guys do that. Like, Elliot Smith did the drumming on his first three records, or first four, you did know? He, did he yeah. do the other, the other? I think it was, I think it well. was EXO when they started bringing in the session guys. But everything, you know, either or, and then backwards was. I all mean, it. To me, it's a simple idea. Like I, I um, everything I do is is DIY and yeah. very independent. I don't have any support from any sort of right. label, label or, yeah. or you know whatever. So if if I want, and I've wasted so many years and, and hours of my life writing songs that I, I feel like I have to, I have to do something, and and I'd like to. Even for myself, just I'd like to be able to put that music out in some way. Maybe just to validate my own my own waste of time. Uh, <laughs> you can feel like that, but I mean, this is the this is your this is your work. You know, yeah, this is your body of work. Right. So, with that being said, it, it, you know, I, I without money, I don't I don't have a budget to make records, but I, I want to make records. So. There's only one way that I I see fit doing it is myself. Right. I mean, I'm not gonna pay. Yeah. Guys, and I'm certain it's not that I wouldn't pay guys to to help me, but it's it's more like I don't have the the studio set up to accommodate oh. all that stuff. And and I mean, in the end, when I go into to record, I have no idea what the what the, any of the other parts are. All I know is my song is an acoustic and vocals. And I have like some kind of grand arrangement in my brain to some extent. Like when I play, it's not like this is an acoustic song. I hear drums, I hear yeah. stuff, but I don't know exactly what the, that bass line or that like mandolin part or a keyboard line that that's never been invented. I have no idea that it's supposed to be there. So when I record, I try to let it happen as organically as possible. But mm -hmm. I just pick up another instrument 
and sit and I'll work and I'll compose the other parts for it mm-hmm. when it's happening. So like I, I I guess I would have to compose that and then I would want to like show a bass player the part, but they they don't like that shit. They want to like yeah, well, have their own can... creative input, I suppose, and that's fine as well. But yeah, I think what I like about recording is if you if you have a song and you know you can do those other parts yourself I think you should do the other parts yourself if that's really? what you're hearing but at the same time there's something to be said about just giving it to a professional even if you can do an adequate job yourself right you know like I've got this song it's just G D C G you know and it's pretty the bass the bass motion is just eighth notes right root, root notes but I know if I get if I you know I can play that fine they competently play it um into Pro Tools, but if I hired my friend Tim Denbo, he's just at this level that if he played the same part, the same notes, it would just sound like yeah. a real bass player playing it. So, but at the same time, like those Elliott Smith recordings would not sound the way they do if those if he was hiring session musicians in the beginning because they're right. very specific and the mood is so specific. So I'm really excited to hear what you're going to be delivering on well, your next thank record. you. I, yeah. I, I'm sure if you're, if you're even thinking Elliot Smith in any way, you're, you're setting yourself up for a <laughs> tremendous failure. Um, <laughs> the kind that would make you run your heart into a knife. I don't know. <laughs> oh, but, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, man. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I've got... Maybe I just don't have enough friends that, 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 <laughs> that I want to... Do you have any? Do you have any like tracks that you'd want me to play on the podcast? Um, maybe. And like, I'm, I'm hoping to release the first like single from it in in like the beginning of March. Cool. Is um, that the single that you just played? No, okay. I, I hadn't anticipated on playing that song at all. Oh. But I, I just felt like it was the most relevant. I don't know thing, just given that we were talking about Europe and everything. Okay. Do you want to do another? Sure. Yeah. Should I do another song that's going to be on that record, or? It's totally up to you. It's whatever you want. It's whatever you want to play. I have no idea. Um... New songs are always cool, though. could do another song from that. My hands are cold, but I we'll see if I can finger pick my way through this. Finger picking's like totally new for me. Like for all the years of writing songs, I just I found I found it way too slow and boring. And as a singer, like I could never quite sing over over finger picking patterns. So I I'm like I'd just be like, all right, fuck this, give me my pick, and I'd start. Yeah. Oh, you're fooling me my... when I saw you play the other time. You were... So I'm gonna try a, a slower number, and and um, on this, uh, this might be one of the only songs that I'm gonna have any sort of collaboration on in my record, and uh, uh, Katie, Katie probably will sing. Over the the, the chorus, and if she, if she wants to just sing in the background there, she she might do. Um, she's here uh, taking some some videos and stuff. <laughs> oh, is that who that is? Yeah. 
Anyways, this song's called Too Bold to Call It. It's probably like the, the only real slow number on the on the record. We'll see if I can get through it. <clears throat> in here and it's great um yeah is that a new song Mm-mm. that's an older song yeah i don't know man that this record consists of content that's probably th- three and one year old 
three three to one years okay. old. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it funny how you're like, the new record is old songs? It's terrible. I know. It's, it's a horrible thing. <laughs> because like you're, you're, you've moved on, like you're, you're better than that now. Like there's a lot of... Well, maybe you're better. Some some people reach a, a moment, so maybe this this would will be the best moment. Yeah. Of of what it is that I that I ever do, I have no idea. But um. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of old stuff, mm-hmm. which is good because it, it it keeps me focused on. I've moved on from a lot of tunes, even even songs that I didn't put on my last record, that I still play. I I'm like oh maybe that'll go on the next one. None of those are making have made the new record, you know. So mm-hmm. it's it's important to keep a, I guess a healthy perspective on it all, and um, I don't know, not be too afraid to to let go of of songs that you write because if you write enough, some are gonna be better than others, or they're just gonna be better for you, to to you. Feel like that's that's the only thing you can never be sure of without like a producer or somebody helping you is be like, no, you have to put that song on a record. And you're like, I don't like it, and like maybe yeah. everybody else would like the shit that you don't that, like that you don't put on the record. Radiohead so, didn't want to record Creep. Mm. They did that whole record. Apparently, the story, as the story goes, uh, the record company called them when they finished the record and they submitted. It. They said, we don't hear a hit. Do you have anything else? And they're like, yeah, we got this song. And then they recorded Creep, and that was the, you know, the rest is written. Yeah, they probably... And that also, like, was a whole lawsuit, too, you know? They probably... <laughs> and that's probably why they didn't... They didn't want to do it, because they knew like, there would it, be... A, it just sounds like a... a it's a, the Hollies. It's yeah. the Hollies song. Yeah, I know. The bridge of Creep is the Hollies, uh, All I Need is the Air That I Breathe and To Love You, and all that stuff. Both great songs. You know, may, maybe they didn't know. I feel like in pop music, there's just yeah. a certain song that, like... And formula that we've all heard one million times, yeah. and yeah, but it's and that's why I think as a songwriter you gotta tr- you try to avoid using those. What do you think those, about those one, four, five, six progressions or, or whatever? And, and and like, if you use it, you can be more creative than just just doing it exactly like that. Like, well, have you, you heard the Holly song? Seventh, I haven't. Okay, I yeah, the verse of "All I Need Is the Air That I Breathe" and "To Love You" is the bridge to "Creep." And so when every time Creep gets played, the Hollies get a royalty check. Isn't it like the same sound of a um, of like a million other songs as well? Like what uh, John Lennon has a song with the same kind of progression. Well, yeah, the one to three to four to minor four mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, what do you think of the Sam Smith Tom Petty thing? <laughs> oh, you already know what I think. I don't know. <laughs> I, I I predicted that. <laughs> to me, I I don't have a problem. It's I only mean, the first have... two. Mel- it's only the first two phrases. That yeah, but are then identical. he ends the. F- then he ends the course with the phrase again, which is exactly how I won't back down goes. Yeah, you're right. And it's the it same. It, yeah. I mean, he stole it, and it doesn't matter. Like I don't care, but that's fine for a 16 year old writing his first song. But this was the number one single of 2014. Like. Who's making this the number one single? A bunch of fucking robots. Like, just... <laughs> but that's my problem with, with the whole with that whole scene. It's just, it's it's just convoluted progressions and and tired. It's just lacking effort and and 
That's like even well, it's on playing the, it safe. Even on the job of the producer and and the performer himself, like like I said, that's fine for for a sixteen year old yeah. artist or someone who's. But yeah. that the fact that a song that is that is that overused and the progression is tired. And when I hear those progressions over and over again, and still like on a huge pop hit, and I turn on, you know, the the indie quote unquote indie radio station, and I'm hearing, yeah. I'm hearing this progression for for like three songs in a row. Yeah. Or something like this. There's no variation. They don't do it once or twice and then throw in a surprise yeah. chord. It's like it's almost about the production value and how much reverb and shout choruses you can have. And yeah, that was that annoys me the most. Is like I don't mind formulaic country songs or formulaic hip hop or formulaic pop, but it's the formulaic indie pop that drives me insane. Yeah, well, I mean, as a songwriter and knowing like tons of great songwriters, like you know yourself and. Our friend Ben Delacour, like other <laughs> such people, and 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 I mean my friends back in San Francisco and in the Bay yeah. Area, are, they're some of the best songwriters I've I've yeah. I've had the pleasure to know, and they never do shit like that. Yeah. I mean so much. Well, but, I feel like when when a song is is not trying to be something, it be, it's there's more variation and there's less limitations on. Yeah, like Darius Rucker's take on Wagon Wheel. <laughs> I mean the way he brought an auto tune and and just really made that song suck <laughs> was it was a wonderful thing. Yeah, it does sound like listening to a robot sometimes the radio and what I I can't stand is like I've seen guys in the studio messing with Melodyne auto tune software and they are brilliant at how they can mask um, fuck ups and and can make it sound like a real and then when I hear the radio it's like. Even the producer and engineer were just straight up lazy with the production of this. They must have been. Yeah, because there's a way to mask pitch issues. The The software is sophisticated enough to actually sound realistic. But it's just lazy production that you hear the catch of the auto-tune. You're just like, yo, you just spend five more minutes on that. You could have made that sound pretty good. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind actually the use of it. It's the laziness that really gets me. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, what about all the, some of the greatest recordings, even up until like the nineties? They they didn't have. I know they didn't. Have yeah, you have to. That. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you could. I mean, even like just a straight up chopped up spliced ten vocal takes without funny. any auto tune is cool. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not horribly ashamed. Of I'm it. sure. Yeah, a, a lot of my songs are like that. <laughs> do a good old fashioned Frankenstein. <laughs> I mean, it's hard enough to yeah. record like studio recordings. Are, it's it's hard to get it to sound good. I mean, yeah. I I can't. Hey, how many how many people I've met and saw them live and really enjoyed their their performance and maybe even either bought their CD or, or was given one because we played a show together or whatever and you're just kind of slightly very disappointed by their record like that happens not, a lot yeah it's not that they're bad musicians or anything yeah. like they that. had a compelling just, live it, show it's, it's very hard to make a good record yeah and maybe that's why yeah. like these people are just just being lazy with production because without that maybe these people don't have it but I don't I don't fully believe that especially in Darius Rucker's case I mean Hootie and the Blowfish their their first record was like multi-platinum or something stupid like they made they made enough money to be good for the rest of their lives on that album 
Yeah. And I, I think I that think, album predated auto tune, to yeah. be honest. Well, so. I think what the deal with that is when you come to Nashville and you go, okay, I'm going to reinvent myself as an artist and I'm going to go do the Nashville production thing and I'm going to get with the guys that can get me on radio, get with the people that will get me on radio, and I'm going to do what that company says and just go with it. See, that bothers me. But I think, yeah. Especially because if you have enough money that you're not in a place that you have to really suck that cock, then why fucking put it in your mouth? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. like why, no, why know, adhere to the fucking funny, strict bullshit standards of like what is wrong with, with so many things? Yeah. And I think it goes far deeper than just music. I think it's pop culture in generally. I mean, these days, maybe, maybe it's always been a, a shit show, but... I think it's I think it's even to a, a lesser to you know much a much greater degree these days. But if you're if you're already somebody who who's who drives a nice car and you're in a nice house and you can travel whenever you want, like why why compromise anything to do what a producer says just to make more money? That if it if it I don't I mean, know. I, I I'm just gonna venture a guess. Please, is that you don't. People around you who respect you as an artist because you're a multimillionaire, hit songwriter, singer, doesn't matter, you know, what genre, and they're going to kiss your ass, but you're also going to do what that company says. And so it's this, like, feedback loop of, this is all great, even though it's complete shit, um, that just keeps going around. So do you believe that any of these people are happy with the final product? Like they're bobbing their heads and going, fuck yeah. You know this what? Is, this is it. You know what's like, so this funny? this is dope. If I... Because like, if they're genuine and saying this is dope, then I'll feel less bad about it. I think they're but genuine. But if everyone's and... going, <laughs> fuck me, it's another abomination. Here you go, America. Oh, man. And... and well, okay. And knowing that, that it's going to make tons of money and they're yeah. going, you fucking sorry sons yeah. of bitches. Like, I'm surprised. I just think... Like, it's a big practical are... joke on the American population and, and and everything. They're like, you guys are, are, are so sorry that you're going to love this. And, and they're all laughing. I think the where people get taken advantage of is on kind of a, a subtler level when it comes to a song like Wagon Wheel. Because I'm a fan of the song Wagon Wheel. Like Me I heard, too. I heard, yeah. The first time I heard it was the when Old Crow Medicine Show. I was mm-hmm. in college, yeah, and that record came out, and there was a band like everyone wanted to do like Roots, bluegrass music and stuff. It's like a good song. I mean, I have, a co- I have a cover of it on YouTube. Oh, do you? Even like that? There I you put go. Out before Darius, yeah. before that was. I mean, if really you live hit. and play in Nashville, you know the words and you know the chords and you can play through it mm-hmm. and sing the harmony. But I think when it comes to the Darius Rucker. That's just kind of like taking advantage of a good song mm-hmm. because people will dance and sing along with it, and who gives a crap? It, whether and they have been, yeah, they have the, been doing for ten catches. years. I mean, people have been. I mean, long before Darius made it incredibly mainstream. Mm-hmm. Like man, even when I was in Europe, like a few years, ago, like years ago, that song was still coming on at bars, like the Old Crow version, yeah. and everybody knew the words. Yeah. So like everybody knew it long yeah. before. Not everyone, but a good amount of people knew it, and it was kind of this cool thing. It was an easy way for him to get into country, I think. And he did what it took to get onto country radio. Well, he'd already been on country radio for the last... I didn't know that. Maybe five years. Okay, I didn't know that. He did a crossover thing a while back. You didn't didn't hear any of it, because all the songs were pretty... And he was also still touring with Hootie, right? 
I don't think that? so. I I could be totally wrong, but I, I have a feeling they've, I think they've they probably st- had a falling out of some kind. I don't know. I think they do. I think every now and again. Because he didn't shows. bring him on for any of his records for 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 his solo stuff, and yeah, they might be angry. I I don't know. Yeah. Every time I've gone to South Carolina, people get really into this conversation, it seems like, because he was, uh, uh, I think he was from Charleston. Yeah, yeah. And and so there's there's tons of people that, like, they're like, I knew Hootie, you know, <laughs> you know, they used to, like, go to their shows, like, yeah. and they, you know, they're brothers, best friends with the bass player, and, and or whatever, like, there's, there's some connection. There's, that, I think Hootie is just the most, one of the most nostalgic sounds of the 90s. <laughs> like, you hear Hootie, and that just transports you, for better or worse, you're going back into the 90s to where you were when that stuff came on the radio. They, they kind of... They kind of were like the Uber Uber ride into the two thousands, then weren't they? Or they were they were like back in the. No, they were mid nineties. Mid, you think? Yeah, they were I guess because I'm thinking like Pearl Jam, Nirvana, yeah, Stone Temple Pilots. To me, that was like that was the nineties. It was cool, but so that's like the first. Yeah, the and first then there's nineties. The Hootie and the Blowfish, things... Eve Six, <laughs> um, Semisonic. So the better half, really. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, man. All those one-hit wonders that Spin Doctors. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Spin yeah. Doctors. <laughs> that was '94, I Blues think. Blues Traveler. Blues Traveler. Green Day. Yep. I mean '90s. Yeah, you can go down. Cool. I love that. Yeah. Um. Well, cool. Well, thanks for coming in. You want to do one more song? Yeah, I would like to to end with a uh, a cover song. Okay. Because living out in Nashville, they they. You 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 kind of learn to do more covers, and I and I hopefully try and stick with covers that I don't think are are total pieces of shit, and I'm not into the bro country thing. Well, this is a cool song that uh, was written by Bruce Springsteen, and I kind of heard the band do a, a, a sweet version of it, so I I kind of. If you'd like to play along, that would be wicked sweet. Um, I'm gonna do it in G. Or A flat, a flat. rather. And I know I'm talking to a music major. I don't want to say anything stupid like G sharp. <laughs> <laughs> we like the flats. Alright. Um, yeah. Anyways, this song is called Atlantic City. Chicken man in Philly last night. They blew up his house too. Down on the boardwalk, they're ready for a fight. Gonna see what them racket boys can do. Now there's trouble busting in from out of state, and the DA can't get no relief. Gonna be your rumble on the promenade And the gambling commissioner's hanging on by the skin of his teeth Everything dies, maybe that's a fact Maybe everything that dies someday comes back Put your makeup on, use your hair up pretty And meet me tonight in Atlantic City 
job and I put my money away Well I got the kind of debt no honest man can pay So I do out what I had from the Central Trust And I bought us two tickets on that coast city bus Everything dies, baby, that's a fact Maybe everything that dies someday comes back Put your makeup on, put your hair up pretty And leave me tonight in Atlantic City Now I love me a dad and I love maybe cold But with you forever I'll stay We'll be going out where the sand turns to gold But put your stockings on Cause it might get cold Everything dies, baby, that's a fact Or maybe everything that dies someday comes back Put your makeup on, fix your hair up pretty And meet me tonight in Atlanta City job but it's hard to find there's winners and there's losers and i'm stopping the line well i'm tired of getting caught out on the losing end well i talked to a man last night gonna do a little favor for him everything dies baby that's a fact maybe everything that dies someday comes back Thanks for coming in. Thank you so much, yeah. Andrew. Ryan Dishon. Look out for his uh, new record coming out in a few months. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks, Ryan.